uh, stopping by and seeing us today. Kind of clumsy, wasn't it? They have stopped by and I am seeing them today. Whatever. Schlemmer and Metz are with us. Robert Metz and Jeff Schlemmer on uh, this edition of Left, Right, and Center. Good to see you guys. Thank you. Um, today we're going to take a look at the issue of sex and the law. And uh, I think that given our discussion earlier, we are talking about the body rub parlors, but it goes, as I said then, it's about a lot more than that. Our laws in Canada are somewhat confusing when, when sex enters into it, and sex is somewhat confusing to our society. On the one hand, we are, you could argue, absolutely inundated with sex and sexual references and, and our ad campaigns, or, you know, billboards and newspaper ads and magazine ads and even radio ads that use some element, some aspect of sexual tension to sell a product. Uh, there are now explicit magazines and movies available at, at corner stores, which 10 years ago wouldn't have been available anywhere, in, or 15 years ago maybe, in the country. Now we take them as kind of a given that they're there. Um, on the other hand, we are a very repressive society sexually. Uh, we have uh, others, uh, obviously there are people at City Hall who are very concerned about this issue. It's a moral issue, they believe. It's a question of public morality. And morality is something that, uh, that transcends our personal interests. It's an area where uh, traditionally religion knew better than we do, and now it's the government knows better than we do what's good for us. And I thought given our uh, uh, respective political uh, viewpoints of our two guests, it would be interesting to talk to them about it. I don't know whether they agree or disagree on any of this, but I'm, I'm certainly anxious to hear what they have to say. Uh, Bob, I'm going to start with you. It, it, does, the role, does the government have any role at all in legislating for or against any kind of sexual activity? Um, I guess that, that speaks to the whole issue of morality fundamentally. Um, it, it's easy to say that yes, we can legislate morality, and we have done so in the past. Whether it's legitimate or not, whether it is in itself moral, is I think the issue that I'd like to address today. I think that um, we cannot, we, we should not and cannot really, in effect, legislate morality, but what we do legislate is individual rights and the, and the, and the, and the restrictions on our freedom that we have within a social setting. And uh, it's ironic, but those things are based on a moral principle. And uh, I kind of divide between what I would call public morality or social morality and private morality. I think they're two separate issues. And mostly what we're talking about now is public morality. What should be public policy? What should the government's policy be? How tolerant should we as individuals be of others? I think that's a major issue here. And I always like to refer to uh, a quote by, by novelist and, and philosopher Ayn Rand who said that morality ends where a gun begins. And to me, that brings in the whole issue of consent, particularly when you're talking about sexual issues. Well, I, I want to interrupt that, you just for a moment sure. be, before we get on to that, because you said we can't legislate morality, although you note, you note that we have in the past. But isn't our entire criminal code is legislated morality? We think it's immoral to kill someone, so yes. it's against the law. That's, that's what I'm saying, but, but the, the code defines a set of rules, which we call rights. So what we're legislating are those rules and the proper rules between individuals. And generally at the fundamental basis of that code there is a moral code and that is that we should not initiate force against each other. To live in a peaceful society no one should be initiating force or intimidation tactics or anything against anyone just because they happen to disagree with an otherwise consensual uh, choice that people make. Be it right, be it wrong, be it Im immoral by a personal standard or not, I think uh, when you get into the public realm, 
it's it's a necessary thing in a free society to develop a great deal of tolerance. Otherwise, you're going to lose your own freedom in the process somewhere down the line. Now, Jeff, what about that? Traditionally, people uh, more to the left side of the spectrum have have been more outspoken about freedom. Well, not more outspoken, but certainly have been outspoken about freedom. We have we have champions on the left of, of unrestricted immorality, if we can call it that, and we have champions on the left of very restrictive uh, government legislation. Well, what do you think the proper role is of government in, in, in the sex life, in the bedrooms of the nation, if you will? Well, I think that the role of government is to, to test the winds of uh, public opinion and to try and mirror public opinion as much as it can, bearing in mind the, the realities uh, of life such as that you can't necessarily regulate everything you think you can. We found it with prohibition that uh, the majority may have voted saying we don't want to have any alcohol in the country, but you're still going to have alcohol in the country. So they have to be sort of pragmatic about it. Um, I look at something like, for instance, uh, several years ago where they, where they brought in the restriction on the number of uh, strip joints that we're going to have in the city. And they said, okay, you've got the ones that are there, we'll grandfather those, we're not going to have any more. Uh, that, to me, that was sort of an attempt to sort of say, okay, we're trying to sort of be uh, somewhere in the middle on the thing. But it, but it is an interesting issue in the sense that uh, I'm sort of thinking about why I think what I think and then what the rationale for it is. And at, at root, I think you're driven back to sort of, you know, there are just certain things you think this is just the way they ought to be. Like in my case, I, I'm not keen on body parlors, but I can't really give you all kinds of great reasons for it. It's just the, what I think. Is it dangerous, though, to have uh, folks who can't give us reasons, it's just they kind of think this, and now I want to turn it into a law. Isn't that a little dangerous? Oh, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that just because I think that that has any weight whatsoever in but, either but, direction. But, no, but there, <laughs> but there are people, there are many people who would say the same thing. You know, I, I, well, you know, the Bible tells me so, or my mom told me, or whatever the case may be, and I, I really, you know, beyond that I don't know, but you know, I th sort of think it's wrong. There are people who will try to make laws based on that kind of a, you know, that kind of assessment of a situation. Well, yeah, and and, and say it's, it's unusual for me in the sense that I generally talk about saying I want to get back to why, you know, what's the rationale for this? Does it make sense to do this from a public policy perspective? Uh, whereas today it's sort of like, well, I can think of all kinds of public policy reasons going both ways on the thing. I can think of, for instance, the idea that by regulating something, you do have much more control over it. You can control, uh, you know, working conditions. You can control health conditions and all these things. There are all kinds of good reasons for. Uh, a regulated uh, existence of, the, of the, the system as opposed to saying it shouldn't exist at all. I think there's a big, big danger in regulation. I think regulation is often used as a tool of intimidation and moral judgment. Um, look at some of the things that were suggested with these uh, body rub parlors, mm -hmm. you know, that first of all, they almost put them out of the, the nature of the business they're, they're doing by telling them not to wear non-transparent, or telling them to wear non-transparent clothing, no touching allowed, and all this kind of thing, inspectors, police. This is intimidation. And to su suggest, as I guess Councillor Cheryl Miller says here in the paper, if operators don't like these provisions, they can take us to court. Well, that's another, you know, sort of a threat, an intimidating threat, that if you don't like this law, well, you're go you're gonna, we're going to take you to court. So when we talk about regulation of these kinds of industries, I think you have to be sure that we're talking about the same kind of regulation that would apply to any other legitimate business, not necessarily in, in these industries. But it yeah. seems like people are uncomfortable with identifying what the business really is. You know, when you oh, talk absolutely. You say the word sex and, and people just seem to go crazy because sex is such an intensely personal thing. I mean, what I like is erotica. What somebody else likes is pornography. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's basically the bottom line with mm -hmm. all sexual. You can, you, you can apply that to everything. And if you go through every single sexual 
let's say, industry, there's abortion, or anything to have to do with uh, sex and the law. You've got, you know, abortion, gay rights, you've got censorship, uh, pornography, restrictions on advertising, you've got prostitution, strip clubs, uh, you've even got phone sex. There's a booming industry. Mm -hmm. um, now, to me, each one of these things could be within the realm of morality or outside morality in terms of my personal convictions. One person may have an abortion that I think is appropriate and moral, and another person may not. They both have an abortion. Mm -hmm. They both have that same choice. But one person may need it, need it to save their life. The other person may be using it as a convenient way to get a, a free birth control on the taxpayer. I think that's immoral. Um, the same situation with um, even, you know, I can understand the discomfort of a lot of people with even things like strip clubs. I think it relates more to a threat in the, in the home. Mm -hmm. I can understand uh, perhaps a, a spouse feeling a little uncomfortable if their spouse is going to these places, if they don't like that. And that discomfort generally shades their whole opinion on how all of society should operate. So is that a situation where they're looking for the law to step in to resolve a problem that they can't resolve on a personal level? Um, in some sub subliminal sense, yes. I don't think a lot of people are thinking of that in terms of pure, explicit, you know, going out and banning behavior. I don't, I but, don't but, agree but with. If, but if you do have a spouse who is going to engage in that behavior, whatever it may be, and the behavior is then prohibited by law, it makes it a little easier for you to kind of maintain oh, your position, doesn't right. it? Right. But it also has other consequences for other people who aren't in those situations. I mean, the sex industry is probably big because uh, it services so many different types of people. There are a lot of people out there who are alone. Who, who don't have a regular sexual partner, who may, may never get married, may never be their, their, their children's mom, as Dr. Laura calls mm -hmm. it, you know? And it's these life choices that you make that determine your moral actions from then on. If I decide I'm going to be a parent, and I, my, that my first priority is to my kids, some of these activities are definitely immoral in terms of getting involved with them because it can mess with your family and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. If, uh, on the other hand, I'm dealing consensually with other people who share a certain lifestyle, and it's not to say one person fits one lifestyle all their life. People go through things in stages, you know? And you have all kinds of reformed strippers or people that went from a religious background into the sex industry. It goes all mm -hmm. over the place. So mm -hmm. people are at different stages in their life. And for the government to get in and regulate these things, other than sensible regulation, like, you know, I don't disagree that with things like you know you know a little 500 meters from the nearest school and that kind mm -hmm. of kind of stuff and this and regulations of safety and propriety that would apply to everyone uh, that's the only place I can see really regulating consensual adult behavior can you go down the list and you can sort of say here's ones that genuinely do serve the interest of of the customer or of the worker and then there's the other ones that are clearly intended to do something other than what on the face of it they do like the one about uh, uh, the non-transparent clothing yeah or, uh, uh, the registry of clients as, as one of our callers pointed out today uh, under the laws of Ontario if you were a woman you could walk to work topless yeah. but once you got work there you'd have to get dressed to work <laughs> and that seems uh, it's not a safety I mean it's not a see you're not dressing in safety clothing it does seem a little ludicrous um, we're gonna pause for a moment the lines are open to 643 1290 star 1290 on the Cantel if you want to join our discussion this morning about sex and the law with uh, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer you're certainly welcome to do that and we'll be back after this Robert Metz and Jeff Schlemmer are with me this morning, and we're talking about sex and the law, and the appropriate role of the law in, in defining what is or isn't good, right, moral, whatever the word is we want to choose. 643-1290, as we said, and that's where uh, caller Sean 
is waiting. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Jim. Yes, sir. My take on this on this issue is basically we've got a we've got a limited uh, amount of resources for the for the police, and is this really a priority when we still have uh, you know murders and assaults going on in the city? Shouldn't we be focusing in on those issues that affect uh, everyone in an adverse way, as opposed to uh, something that's consensual? Well, uh, but Judge Lemmer, let me ask you that. Well, it, it is true that there have been uh, a lot of changes in the kinds of work that the police have done in the last several years and uh, that they're not able to investigate a lot of crimes they used to and not able to be sort of out and about the way they used to. So, so that's uh, a very serious thing they'd have to look at that uh, the city, I guess, has to decide uh, you know, whether there are the resources for this and if they're going to get into regulating a new thing, uh, what additional resources are they going to put into that and are, are people willing to pay for that? Good question. I, I think there's even a more serious issue than just the resource issue, which I agree with you there, Sean, is, but, but the issue of the respect for law that is lost when people are being treated like criminals for activities that they themselves don't regard as being criminal activity. Uh, I mean, you can put somebody in the jail in jail all you want for for being a prostitute or something like that. If that's not their morality and that's just not where their head's at, you're never going to convert this person. You're never going to rehabilitate them. But is that a valid and argument? You could say the same thing about um, somebody who likes to rob stores. But, I mean, they think that's but, okay. But they're dealing in consensual behavior. That's the premise of what we're talking about. Yeah, we're the not, store owner isn't isn't consenting to being robbed. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. And 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 then when people realize they're being treated like this by police for, for consensual behavior, the, the distinction between that and, and like when force is used in a robbery or something becomes less, less distinct and they might not even be as, as uh, helpful to the police as they might be if they witnessed a crime or something because people get afraid of reporting real crime to the police if they think the police are going to arrest them instead for something else. Sure, you know, we're going to end up, are we going to end up fearing the police? Uh, right, you don't want to be fearing the police, you know, the guy that's out there having a joint doesn't want to be afraid of the police, he, you know, he'd like to call the cops when he sees a robbery going across the street. Well, exactly. Yeah. Sean, appreciate the call. Yeah, thank you, thank you sir. Another element to this, uh, particularly what happened uh, in the discussions last night, and we've got a clip here from uh, Border Control member Russ Monteith. You want to roll that, Ryan? Whether any breach was of the bylaw occurred while a customer is in there, they could phone these customers and ask them. That's uh, Russ's explanation as to why he supported the idea that every customer in a body rub parlor would have to register. So that if there'd been some question that something illegal had happened, they could phone the customer and ask them. So he's almost trying to say that he's doing it for the protection of the client, of the, of the service providers. Well, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the real story is, but that doesn't make much sense to me. No. But that's it, where you um, get into trouble is that, uh, you know, it's one thing if somebody looks at it and says, either we are going to purport to permit it or we're going to purport to try and stamp it out, but everything that we do uh, towards that end is going to be done in good faith, you know, that we're seriously going to look at a health issue or we're seriously going to look at a working standard issue mm -hmm. uh, or whatever. When you get into that kind of stuff where it's like clearly that's not what that registry would be for, it's there to embarrass the people who are there mm -hmm. into not going. And it's like, well, you know, if that's what you're trying to do, then, you know, say so. Yeah. And then all you're accomplishing is driving certain activity more underground. Uh, I think we're, we live in a healthier society when even some of the behaviors we regard as less than acceptable are at least more in the open.
Um, well, Bob, what about the argument, though, that, um, and, and London's a good example, we have a mayor who ran on a religious platform, as much of a platform as she ran at all, uh, has made no, no secret of her, her faith and her personal morality, and has not, never tried to hide that, not that I'm aware of anyway. Um, some council members who share the, her depth of faith have maybe not been quite as forthcoming, but you, you see them when these issues come forward. Um, is there anything wrong with a, with a city electing uh, a chief magistrate and electing a council that would support this kind of legislation. I mean, they're duly elected uh, if they believe in their heart of hearts that this is the right thing to do, the moral thing to do, and they believe they have the support of the populace. Uh, what's wrong uh, with I, them I, enacting I, legislation like I, that? I, I'm, I think in a way you're indirectly attacking the, the belief system of the mayor, which I don't think is the issue here. No, I'm not. No, uh, no, no. Uh, I, I don't think I'm indirectly or directly. What I'm saying is, is there anything wrong with a society electing someone, whatever that belief system may be, knowing full well that's what it is, and then if that individual, believing they had the support of the community, which was demonstrated at the polls, then sought to extend his or her personal morality to the community. What's wrong with that? Well, because you're imposing your morality on other people. You're, you're placing the morality of a so-called majority upon a so-called minority, and, and that's the whole point of having individual rights, is to protect the rights of the minority. I think the issue boils down once again to consensual behavior that immediately eliminates children from the equation and it immediately eliminates the use of any sort of uh, violence or force. And it's ironic that the only violence and force being suggested in this whole scenario is that which is being introduced by this type of legislation. You need the force of police and, and law enforcement and the courts and politicians and, and basically they're being bullies in, in this marketplace to try and and, 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 you know, thwart it in well, certain what, what ways. About, what about the argument, Jeff? And I want to ask you about this. There's another argument here is that, that this is being done to protect disadvantaged people in our community. It's, be, it's being done to protect the sex trade workers who the assumption is wouldn't work there if they had an option. Uh, we had a caller earlier on the show who phoned to say that he knew of a young man or maybe a middle-aged man who uh, spent a lot of money in these places and he felt that if they weren't there he wouldn't be quote wasting his money in these kinds of places. Is there not an issue there for help protecting people who can't protect themselves? Um, I don't know about the fellow so much but I'm, I'm uh, sort of driven back to what you're talking about with uh, the mayor and uh, the idea that uh, people are elected based on sort of what you know of them and certainly know that she's very religious and has a strong uh, uh, value system. And, and I go back to the fact that I, I'm, for one, in favor of regulation of these things. And I start off saying, I can't tell you really why that is. If you ask me to give a good log logical explanation, all I can say is that being a Southwestern Ontario boy raised in a Christian upbringing, I just think that it's not a good idea to have unrestricted sex trade in London. And uh, I sort of look at it and think, you know, it seems that in a lot of ways we're moving more and more towards a Las Vegas style of But, you city. know, I have to stop you there, and I have to, I, I have to take you to task on that. It's your show. You can. Well, but <laughs> you, you are a lawyer. You are an officer of the court, and yet you sit here and tell me you don't really know why you think you ought to do this. You just sort of think you should. It's, it seems to me that flies in the face of all your training, doesn't it? It must fly in the face of your instincts as a lawyer. Well, in to a say, ways. I don't know why I feel this way. I just feel this way. Yeah, well, and that's, that's right. As I say, it's very unusual. Usually I say I want to go back and look at the, the core uh, rationale for why why uh, what's proposed is being done. Let's look at the pros and cons. You well, know, let's assess it on an objective do. basis. Now I, I'm saying logic fails me. I just have a belief system. Fundamentally, right. I believe. And, and, and because of that belief system, you have a certain level of discomfort when you see other people practicing belief systems that are different from yours. Now, 
the question I would have to you is how would you feel if they were in the majority, those other people you disagree with and felt the same way you did that uh, you made them uncomfortable? I know a lot of people who are very uncomfortable being around Christians, for example, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. And uh, they would like Christians to, to go away, please leave me alone, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. What well, if they outnumbered them and then where would the Christian be? Oh, sure. Culturally, and, I understand that, uh, you know, that uh, there are certainly lots of religions that have far different views about sex and sexuality than Christianity does and that we come from this Victorian sort of extremely repressed tradition in Christianity. Uh, you know, whereas in, uh, in uh, the Far East, for instance, I understand that uh, attitudes can be very different and it's just not a big deal in the same way. It doesn't get us all uncomfortable and feeling all ooky, but you know, I am where I, is where there, I am. Is there, but is there, is there any responsibility then on us, is, since we are uh, pride ourselves on being a multicultural, multi-ethnic, cosmopolitan society, is, is there any responsibility on us to try to draft laws that reflect that multiplicity of ideas, rather than saying, well, there may be a majority now that believes X, but, you know, Y is not hurting them, the people who believe Y aren't hurting them, is there a role for the law to kind of transcend that morality and say, we have to have something above this, what may be a temporary morality? Well, I think that, I think the law has evolved, and I think that uh, one of the phenomenon that, that we've seen is a move away from some of the hypocrisy. I think that, for instance, we've always had body houses around, you know, go back, back to Victorian ages in Vermont, one, it's, is it the oldest or the second oldest profession, I can never remember. Uh, I think lawyers are the other one, but anyway. Um, <laughs> But having said that, that uh, we've had these things since since forever, but we've also had these laws that purported to be very stringent and so on, and that we've tried to get away from having laws that you sort of wink at, uh, you know, and that uh, we try and have dialogue and say, look, at what, it, what is an appropriate balance here? And we do have a balance, you know, right now that these things do operate legally, uh, you know, that uh, my... my perception is that for some reason in the last couple of years there has been a big growth in this though and that that's why the issue has come to the fore. I had read somewhere that uh, London now has as many uh, massage parlors as Toronto does uh, because they regulate theirs and we don't regulate ours and it's a question of, well you know we're only a tenth the size what's going on there and is it something we should be looking at as, well, a, it, as a society? It seems to me that the, the, there is a very obvious answer to what's going on there and that is that people want to patronize them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, it brings us immediately and smack dab right back to the moral issue. It's not a business issue. I mean, obviously the customers are there. Obviously there are people who are prepared to spend their money in these places. And obviously there are people who are willing to provide whatever services are provided in these places. A willing exchange of, of goods and services or money for service. Um, so, if we look at it from a government point of view, why would we want to regulate it? Why, what, we, what else do we regulate? We used to regulate liquor licenses. We sort of do, but not very much anymore, not really. Pretty much anybody with well, a good background and a reason to have one can get a liquor license. But there was a time when they were very constrained, too. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest, uh, I guess, uh, incentive for regulation is simply money, taxes. Um, and I think that regulates a lot of it. You know, a lot of these activities, like, you know, having sex is perfectly legal with anybody you want, as many times as you want, with as many partners as you want. Just don't ask for money, you know? Although, technically, that's legal. You're not allowed to solicit. But, uh, and that, that applies with all of these industries in the sex trade. All these activity, activities go on outside a commercial sphere. As soon as they step into the commercial sphere, that's the thing that's illegal. And then it's very hard to control when you're in such a private situation with someone uh, you don't know that person's going to be declaring all the money that they get mm -hmm. uh, you don't and this is one of, this is what I th see as the big impetus it's very interesting in the paper the other day again Cheryl Miller said that the regulations regarding the, the body rub parlors are tough but not as tough as they should be she would have liked to see a five thousand dollar licensing fee so I'm thinking well, wait a minute, here's a person who supposedly is against these things, would like to see them outlawed, but if they're going to be there, hey, give me my cut. 
And I, I just think that that's extortion. That's, well, that's, that's hypocrisy. What, what a lesson in morality. Like, yeah. um, they what can't waste anything without charging a big whack of money for it. Well, exactly. And I, I, I think that's unrealistic um, regulation and licensing. I, I think licensing is legitimate only to the point of, uh, I guess, the equivalent of registering your property with the government, just to let people know you're in business, mm -hmm. that, that you're there, that you have agreed to certain rules and regulations regarding the roads that abut your property or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's all it should be. But I worry that this is a phenomenon that's driven by, uh, by sort of the, uh, I hate to say, decay of society. But uh, since 1990, when the recession hit, things have gone downhill for a lot of people. And when that happens, it seems like you see a rise in gambling. You see a rise in, in the sex trade. You see in all these things that, to me, are taken, I would take as a sign of an unhealthy society, as an unhealthy community. Uh, like, an ideally, you'd make people not want to be involved in this stuff. But I think, for instance, if, uh, if it was the case that our unemployment rate wasn't so high, would it be so easy to find people who wanted to do this work? And but I wonder. Aren't, aren't we going to find out? Um, articles yesterday in the paper and an article today, Garth Turner's article, pointing out, and, and he's certainly not alone, saying that it appears that we are on the cusp of another serious wave of prosperity in, in North America. That uh, there are a few naysayers, but by and large, all the indicators seem to point to a, to a period of prolonged and increasing prosperity. Um, should we be reacting now, should be drafting laws now, even if you're right that this, in this downturn we may have become a little less, quote, moral, whatever that means, but would we not be better off just to wait? I mean, if it's going to turn around, if the economy's going to pull out and we're going to have unemployment back to our whatever the regular levels are and so on and so on, this should go away then, shouldn't it? If, if that theory is correct, it's going to be self-correcting. We've had, for one thing, we've had had unrivaled prosperity for the last three years. It's just that you don't notice it unless you're an investor. You know, we've had the stock market going like crazy. We've had corporate profits but, like crazy. I know, but what the people are, or what the uh, many of the financial people are saying is that is now going to start to impact on the average individual because what's happening, all of that money is out there. True, it's being made, but it's being reinvested. Housing starts are way up. Building is a, is booming in most of Canada. Uh, consumer spending is up. Consumer confidence is up. Inflation yeah. is down. All of these things. Well, I hope it's true. And and I, I uh, we'll see. I, th I think at the bottom of your suggestion there, Jeff, was that was so some sort of assumption that people who get into the sex industry as the service providers, let us call them, are there out of some sense of desperation. That's constantly a theme that comes from people who... No place who, else to go. Yeah. But I've had lots of clients I, who are in that boat. Uh, oh, well, in, in some sense, that may be true, and some people make those kinds of choices, but I think if you look at the overwhelming majority, I mean, this... How big is the sex trade in, say, in, say, the United States and Canada? When you look at the figures, it's like in the multi-billions and billions of dollars. And a lot of people are there because they want to be there, and that's hard for a lot of people to understand. It's the same thing most, uh, you know, ask most of uh, any stripper that works in a strip club. Are they there out of, you know, desperation and stuff? Very few. Um, people will do things that they might not otherwise do, but nevertheless, they're still making a moral judgment that this is better than my alternative. Well, that's the and issue. To take away that what, what kind of alternatives have the government posed till now? What else could they be doing? Could they be sitting on welfare or doing this? Or could they be working in the auto industry doing this? Well, I, I think the more that the government tries to do, the more desperate people it'll throw into the, into the can of soup because the government just messes things up. It, it gets in the way. Um, people have to work out their problems in their life. I agree with you, too, Jeff, that a lot of times some of this behavior is unhealthy. Um, I think, but it's it's behavior. It's not the thing itself. I mean, everybody has their compulsions, and 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 one guy's compulsion is coffee. The next guy is is the video dis display, you know, terminal, uh, gambling his money away. Another person is sex. Everybody has these problems, okay? And it may be at a part of their life or not at another part of their life. But to get the law involved, I just 
don't get it as long as there isn't any um, criminal activity. Well, yeah, and when you come down to the, vic the so-called victimless crime, that's the big question. Mm -hmm. Do you force somebody to be good, so-called good, or do you encourage them to be? My obsession is gravy. <laughs> I can't have mashed potatoes without gravy, even though my doctor says I have to stop. Uh, we, we, we don't have to stop the program, though, and we still have lots of time for you to join us at 643-1290 or star-1290 on the Cantel is left, right, and center with Robert Metz and Jeff Schlemmer continues. Jeff Schlemmer and Robert Metz, my guest, says they are every Wednesday on left, right, and center. And uh, we will remind you that they'll be back next Wednesday. I won't be here. Eddie Matthews will be here, but the guys will be still be here for all our regular features are in place. And Talk of the Town is in place with Eddie, and you're going to enjoy him. He's a great guy, bright fella. And uh, I'm hoping that you, I'm not hoping, I'm, I know you're going to stay with us uh, throughout the next week while I'm away and give Eddie your support. The guys will be here too. And uh, the book lady, cover to cover with Carolyn Young and Phil McLeod. All our regular features still next week uh, while Eddie Matthews sits in for the, can't say vacationing because it's not a vacation for the... Uh, is he in the center or is he on the left or right? Uh, I'm not. Well, well, you guys will have to sort that out. You'll have to sort that out with him next week. Uh, we're talking about sex and the law today and the place of, uh, of morality. Does the, is there a role for law in defining morality and what is good and what is bad, what's moral and what's immoral? And I think we've all kind of conceded that that question of what's moral and immoral is subjective. But, Bob, I think you raised the issue earlier, I think it was Bob, about people with a personal religious view and people with a religious view of morality and this issue of the, Jeff mentioned, the breakdown of society that we talk about a lot. There are people who believe that those two are intimately associated, that, that the problems of society today would not be there if we had somehow managed to maintain the the religious integrity of our society that we, we look back fondly on. I think uh, most historians don't find that relationship to be quite that simple. Um, there certainly there was more visible religiosity, if you will, in Canada 50 years ago, but whether we were any more devout, a uh, country certainly remains to be seen. We were certainly much less tolerant of, uh, of a wide variety of things than we are today. Um, what about people, though, that believe that, that because they're wisdom is divinely inspired or divinely delivered and it's not just Christians most people of faith believe that there's some divine revelation at some point that that man's law must be brought into accordance with God God said such and such and so how can we not you know we are imperfect how can we not defer to his perfection and simply copy the moral code that he or or she or whomever you believe in has laid down and that's all we need for our laws well you're strictly speaking to the issue of me taking my religion, for example, and imposing it on you. I, I don't think that's legitimate in any way. I, I wouldn't want to see one Christian religion impose its view on another Christian but religion But what if I'm either. absolutely convinced that I'm right and, and that my mine is the way and the truth? But your rights right. end where not my nose begins, basically, okay? But what if my faith tells me that's not the case? Well, my then, faith tells then, me I have then, a responsibility to bring the word to you. Then you and I will have a conflict, and that's what causes conflicts, is when people don't respect each other's rights. And because uh, I will not allow you to impose your values upon me, I'm not that type of a person. And therefore, all you're doing is creating a conflict. And I know a lot of people will say, well, I'm contributing to it too because I'm resisting. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, I, I don't consider that a moral action if you have to use the force of government to impose your point of view on me. But to speak to this religious issue, I gotta tell you, I know a lot of people who are not religious at all who would totally support the idea of banning all of these things, mm -hmm. all, all of these sexual things. So I, I don't even think that so much is the issue. I see a lot of it as being a great feeling of discomfort. And even the people who are criticizing these things exhibit what I would almost call shame because they don't want to come right out and say, okay, I disagree with this, let's ban it. 
they want to regulate it out of existence and and as as so to say well yeah we'll tolerate you but not really you know we're gonna we're gonna shove you over here uh it brings to mind even the issue you brought up last week about the strip club owner in saint mary's who's uh who who whose uh charitable contribution to a boys club was turned down mm-hmm. and everyone was commending the courageous convictions of the people who turned it down but uh you know when they when they informed mr smink about not accepting his contribution they didn't sign the letter and they didn't give him a reason that's not courage i think that's a bit of cowardice so that if you are even going to go out and judge other people, even if you believe you're, you're, you're right, the onus is still on you to state that case and make your moral case, not just to pass a judgment and say, well, that's it, sorry, game over. Let's go to the phones now. 643-1290 is our landline and star 1290 on the Cantel. And David joins us. Good morning, Dave. Hi, how you doing? Great, thanks. That's good. Uh, just a pretty neat issue this morning uh, that you have. Oh, great. And uh, what I was just... Uh, we we're talking about a little bit about religious and morals and things like that. And um, if we if we go like your view and my view of different things, uh, they're different, right? Right. Like where someone might think that it's okay to have sex with children, they might think in their mind that it's okay, right? Mm-hmm. But I, on the other hand, think it's totally wrong. But you see, Bob has an answer for that. Bob Bob's answer is that that's not consensual because the child is not capable of making an informed consent. So, so not at the age of consent. Not yet. at the age of consent. So, so that's not uh, that's not a debatable issue. That's an immutable position. Does that okay, make sense? But who defines the age of consent? Like, well, where is that moral, or like, who defines that age? Like, if we're going to go, if and as you were saying, which I just heard, which was good, if we're if we think there's an all-powerful God up there, uh, which I do too, then w- if we want to go by the codes, like there's the Ten Commandments, and you can you can just use those Ten Commandments to base all the things in your life on that. And if something's not going according to those Ten Commandments, then I think you have to check and see, you know, what you're doing. What does the What does the Ten Commandments have to say about body rub parlors, though? And I'm not being facetious. That's, is but, that sexual immorality? But what, what, it, what it doesn't say sexual immorality in the Ten Commandments, does okay, it? Okay. Well, as far as I know, in the Bible, that you need to be married before uh, sex is is okay. Does it say that in the Ten Commandments? I don't think so. It's not necessarily the Ten Commandments, but throughout the Bible, well, if you yeah. read. Scripture passages, and there's all about, different kinds of but, things. But what about people who don't believe those scripture passages? Well, that's their choice not to believe it. Exactly, but is it also their choice not to be subjected to laws that are based on those passages? Okay, well, Diane Haskett was was she was voted in again, and she has a moral standing on these issues exactly. too. Exactly. And as you said earlier, like if we voted her in for that, then she's obligated to hold up her 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 values that she has and and run the city by that. Mm-hmm. Well, she's obligated to to be upfront with her values. That whether she's to run the city on that basis, I'm not so sure. But so, oh, how many of those? If it's only single men, go in those. We're losing you. We're losing you there, Dave. Pardon? I said we're losing you. You're fading in and out on us. Sorry, but is that better? Yeah, so far. <laughs> so you were saying? Okay. Anyway, so what I was saying is, I'd like to know if all those people going in the massage parlors and things like that are they all single? I don't know. So that's another issue too. Well, for whom? Why? Why is that any of my business or your business or Diane Haskett's business? Well, it's my business because I think that's morally wrong. 
So if I believe something you're doing is morally wrong, David, then it's my business and I have a right to come to your house or get okay, some legislation so, and yet, tell you... Okay, are you I'd... basing your morals on? I'll, I'll base my morals on the Bible, what I believe. Well, and I'd... that is the ultimate authority, no matter what. I don't think it matters what anyone says. That is my ultimate authority. Well, see, that, that's where the discussion stops, because anytime you anybody, anybody says this is the absolute answer, then there's no point discussing it anymore. There are people who do not believe it's the ultimate authority. Okay, but I remember you go in the Old Testament and God said... No, no, it doesn't matter. what We're not talking about your, that. Your ultimate authority is your reason, your process of reasoning, what, what makes you arrive at your conclusions. Now, you know, I understand you're trying to get at an issue here with religion, morality, and things, and especially when we're talking about sexual freedom, I think there's one dimension we haven't mentioned yet, and that's sexual responsibility. And I can certainly see where our government has failed us in that respect, because there are consequences to a lot of actions in terms of se sexual irresponsibility, everything from disease to, to uh, unwanted pregnancies that are often placed upon the burden of society. And in that sense, we do have a right to make sure that people are responsible for the consequences of their action. And I think that's as far as a legitimate free society can go without violating anyone's freedoms. But oh, okay, but in the Ten Commandments, it says... No, wait, it, it no, 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 wait a minute. No, we're not talking about the Ten. It goes beyond that. Okay. You, you've already said what you believe and why you believe it, but the question goes beyond that. The question is then, do you have the right to impose your beliefs on everyone else? Do you have the right to... Would you want the law to do that? If, if you had the ability, would you want the law to completely reflect the laws laid down in the Bible? And, and make everybody forced to conform to them, whether they believed in the Bible or not. Do you think that's okay? So I, think, question. It's I a, think the people who have the power to let things be open and let things be closed should enforce them. Because it's not my laws. God has handed those laws down. So, so you think then, uh, you're, you're, duck, you're ducking my question, but I'm getting the answer anyway. You think we'd be okay if, if we ran the society according to what the Bible says? Yes. And even people who don't believe in the Bible would be forced to conform. Well, that's up to them. Well, no, it's not up to them. It's up to you if you're setting the laws. Well, I think if they don't conform, it should, it should be law. And if they don't conform, then they suffer the consequences well, of law. If you don't conform to the law now, if you speed, you get a speeding no, ticket. Oh, no, fair enough. All right, thanks for the call, Dave. Thanks. Appreciate as far, it. As far as talking about making the laws, though, and I, I agree with Dave in the sense that I think that my ultimate sort of reason for the way I think goes back to the Bible as well. Uh, the, the, the difference may be that I recognize that uh, as a Christian, I'm a minority on this planet, you know, that we don't run things, and that I happen to believe this, but a lot of people don't. And if we're all going to live together, we have to find a way to accommodate the different viewpoints. And it may not be unfair to say that if I happen to be elected mayor, well, maybe I'm going to push my view a little more than I otherwise would. Um, but I think that you can't push it too far before you start to run into that conflict that you talked here. about and uh, things break down. Go get them on that. Hold, hold I'm, a second I'm here. The, 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 yeah. the opposite argument that I just gave Jim on, on Christians being against this works the other way, too. There's a lot of Christians who are very tolerant of these activities. I know a lot of them, and they're devoutly well, Christian. Well, there, are, uh, there are people who would say, though, that they are not Christian at all, or they could that the two could not coexist. Well, I, I don't know about that. I think uh, one of the major factors of being, quote, religious is to develop a certain tolerance for the beliefs of others. Uh, it's, uh, it's ironic, well, though, that one of the reasons that we, we even earned our freedoms over the thousands of years in the past was over religions arguing with each other, mm -hmm. and they never wanted one religion to get, get control of the state. Well, let's go back to the phones where Dave's waiting. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jim. Yes, sir. Uh, I'd like to bring another point of view into this. Sure. Uh, I'd like to... I think that uh, our government has a proper role in promoting and uh, protecting 
the uh, the traditional institutions and uh, values of our society. I think that, uh, for instance, in the British North America Act, where it speaks of peace, order, and good government. Yes. I think these are. I think these are good things in the proper role of the government. Mm -hmm. And isn't individual I, uh, freedom a value? Uh, in balance with others. For instance, I think the sex trade le is disorderly and it's uh, a threat to the traditional values of our society. I think it should be very closely restricted. Well, restricted or eliminated? If you think it's bad, why not eliminate it? I'd like to see it eliminated. I don't think it could happen. Well, what would you do to someone, say, after we eliminated prostitution and we caught a prostitute and her customer? What would be the penalty in your mind? Well, how many years would you give them in jail, or what, what fine would you levy against them? Uh, I can't say specifically. Well, because well you're passing a moral judgment here. That would require a specific set of circumstances, but I think there ought to be penalties for them both. Well, what do you think well, would be appropriate, though? If somebody said to you, Dave, we need to know, well, what do you think is appropriate? What would you do to them? I'd like to know, you know, do we have somebody with repeat offenses? Yeah, we yeah, have, we do. Yeah, we have a, yeah. both a prostitute and a customer who have been caught before. Uh, set up a deterrent for others. Well, by doing what? Jail time, I suppose. You put them in jail for having sex with each other, you'd put them in jail. Yes. Now, that's immoral. I have to pass a judgment here. I just, uh, a statement like that scares the heck out of me. Uh, to think that someone would be willing to put a fellow citizen in jail for consensual behavior that didn't even involve them. Um, I, think that the, I think that there's a greater role for the, for the government obviously than simply preventing us from putting guns to each other's heads. I appreciate the call, Dave. Thank you. Good to hear from Bye. you. 643-1290. May I say that I share your fear, Robert, at hearing that. Uh, John joins us. Good morning, John. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, what's your guest name? I uh, couldn't catch his name. Uh, Robert Metz and Jeff Schlemmer. Okay. Uh, I'll ask him a simple question. Well, it's a little silly. Which one? What's uh, one times one? One. One. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah. Can you oh, change that? It's just a rule we've agreed because, upon. Because it's a basic mathematical rule, law of identity. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. If you... If you view science, I mean life, as I've listened to one mathematician point out, that he views life as a mathematician. Life is based on simple mathematics, not because you think is one times one equals one, mm -hmm. because that's the way it is. Because it is, yes. Okay, therefore, if you view whole issues, whether it's sexuality or behavior, what it is, there's a standard normal behavior if you look at it from a mathematical point of view not from a religious point of view that's another uh, issue well there, there may be behaviors no, that are more popular than other behaviors no 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 i'm talking about straightforward scientific research well you, uh, yes so am i uh, and if you view the whole life a circle is a circle square is a square yeah the whole life of human behavior yeah. sex is there is not for pleasure even though it's pleasurable, its purpose is for procreation. Mm -hmm. You said the government's responsibility is to uphold the truth and cannot legislate morality, but they have to uphold the truth, not legalize it. Whether you do it or not, that's your business. Mm -hmm. That's all they have to do. You can argue from now until doomsday. Well, you know, I'm that's, that's the way life I, you know, is. You I, can, I, like, 
legislate homosexuality. I would agree that... You have to say it's wrong. Whether people do it or not, people have been doing it for 10,000 years. Mm -hmm. I guess my question would be, what's your definition of wrong? It's not my definition or yours. Well, you come back, you're no. confusing. No, you're obviously, confusing obviously, obviously confusing it is your definition. No, it is your definition. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm talking about if you view the whole issue of life and behavior and everything by observation, mm -hmm. as a scientist does. Mm -hmm. When you do research, you don't depend on anybody's philosophy or thinking. Well, you know, you what, see what does when you do something. So what you're saying then is that, that homosexuality, just to, to, uh, to identify, homosexuality then is wrong because it's not part of the norm. It is. It's wrong. Uh, let me ask you this question. Is it, is it normal for a species, for example, is it normal for a species to breed itself to extinction? Well, you see, you're again getting off the subject. No, no, I'm right. No, I'm no. Sma no sir, I'm, I'm smack on the subject. If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine, but I'm smack on the subject. Is, no, it, normal no, for, is it normal for a species to exceed the, the, its, its room to live and the available food supplies until it multiplies itself out of existence? And the answer to that, sir, is yes, it happens all the time. So to use the a scientific argument and say because homosexuality does not con contribute to, co to procreation is therefore unnatural is simply avoiding the very rules that you seek to invoke. We have to pause for a moment. We'll be back with more on Talk of the Town. Um, I guess, guys, I want to come back to where we started today, which was the role, of, really was the law and sex, and we've kind of grown beyond that, and that's fine. That's what the show is all about. But in this particular instance, Jeff, you indicated that you're still a little uncomfortable with, with laws like this, even though you have a kind of instinctive sense that, that we do need them. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you were a counselor, would you be voting to restrict this kind of business in this fashion? Uh, I would be restricting it in some of the fashions, I would, but for me, I would be going out and saying, look, I'm just uncomfortable with this personally, so that's how I'm going to vote. And I wouldn't be trying to do any tricks about saying we, we need names so that we can call people in case somebody breaks the law. That, that to me is just dishonest. But I would go in and say, look, you elected me. This is a belief that I have. Mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing wrong with still having some beliefs, which isn't to say that I wouldn't try to modulate them and, and be pragmatic about it and accommodate other people. Uh, but, you know, I just happen to believe it's not a good idea to have un unrestricted growth of these, so I would regulate it. Bob, what about you? I think uh, it is wrong to have beliefs that require the violation of another person's right. Um, I just think that is wrong. And uh, whatever I may believe, I mean, I've never visited a body rub parlor, don't ever expect to, never ever picked up the phone for phone sex, but I would never stop somebody else from doing that because I don't believe in it. That's not a free society. This has been Left, Right, and Center with Robert Metz and Jeff Schlemmer. We're here every Wednesday from 11 o'clock till 12, and we hope you'll join us for succeeding Wednesdays. And if you've got topics you'd like to hear our, our guests discuss, uh, and indeed the topics you'd like to engage them in discussion on, please feel free to let us know at any time here at the station. We're always pleased to hear from you. So you guys will be back next week with Eddie. You're going to take good care of him, eh? Mm -hmm. And you're going to find out whether he's left, right, or center, right? Okay. <laughs> There'll be a quiz. <laughs> don't, don't, don't miss that one, folks. That will be fun. And uh, again, we will be live at the White Oaks Mall on Friday this week and then live at the uh, home show on Saturday. And then I'm gone off to Cuba for a week on a, not on a vacation, a fact-finding mission. We're hoping to uh, interview some special people down there. We'll tell you more about that when we get back, though. So uh, glad you were with us today. Tomorrow, we've got a gentleman that I said earlier was going to be with us today, and I apologize for that. He will be with us tomorrow. Uh, Marin Cadell uh, produced a program on the CBC that will be airing tomorrow night about our relative security from government and just how snoopy they are. Uh, he'll be talking about that tomorrow. We'll be doing lots of other stuff, too, so we hope you'll join us. For Jeff and for Bob, for Ryan and Tara, it's Jim saying please take care of each other, mind how you go, and we'll see you tomorrow for the next edition of Talk of the Town. Bye-bye.